Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I am here with my spouse for years, for years. Listeners and guests have suggested that he come on and chat and share what it's like to be married to me, most specifically when it comes to being married to somebody with bipolar disorder. So we figured, yeah, why not? Uh, because I had my PhD interviews and I had several reschedules. I was like, I don't really have an episode, so let's do this. So yes, today I am chatting with my spouse and we're just going to talk about what it's like to be married to somebody like me and trigger warning. Uh, we may mention suicide in this episode. Uh, we are talking about mental health. So if you're not in a space where you feel that you can listen to something like that, feel free to come back or visit one of the other 380 some episodes that we have on the podcast. So babe, welcome to the podcast. Hey babe. (laughs) So I'm going to start out where I just want to know when was the first, when about when was the first time that you or situation or time, I don't know, period of time, what was the thing that made you go like, oh, I think there might be something wrong with my wife and not like in like a bad way, like, holy shit, she's, you know, it's just like you realize that I might need some, like I have mental health struggles. When was that? When was that time for you? Well, I think it was, (laughs) it was pretty apparent early on that, and you were very, like open and honest about like having the depression and stuff like that. And you also told me about um, your issues when you tried getting on medications back in college and stuff like that. So that was always like very apparent from very early on. Um, And I, and I would see like the depression episodes here and there or whatever, um, just because it's, it's noticeable. Um, But it wasn't until um, your actual, um the the issue at at home uh when when you you told me that you were having ideations and i said okay they're like we're 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 done with this and we're going to the hospital like we're we're done we're getting help and and all that stuff so uh because like at that point like you demon really uh, you demon recognize the whole bipolar um issue being uh being present uh at the time uh and really until you were actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Like I had the very just elementary, like what they show you in the movies type understanding of what bipolar was. Like I, I didn't recognize, like I knew there was for mood swings and, and what, what rapid cycling, but I thought that was just normal. And they're like, Oh, again, what are you bipolar? Like all, all the stereotypes that you get from Hollywood and TV shows and all that stuff. Um, it, it wasn't until your actual diagnosis that like started doing a little bit of research and, um, oh, what was the, the audiobook I listened to, uh, living, uh, living with a loved one with bipolar disorder, I think is, is the title of the book, um, which was very eye opening, um, <laughs> like very, 
very eye-opening because you realize you're like wow i actually didn't know anything at all about this disorder uh like my only uh situation where i knew i was interacting with somebody that had bipolar disorder before you uh uh, you you know her too we won't mention any names but there was uh a spouse uh back on one of my boats that uh, had bipolar disorder and she was just an awful awful human being and so it had nothing to do with her being bipolar it just so happened to be the fact that she was bipolar and she was a horrible human being but that was the only evidence of really interacting with somebody that i knew had bipolar disorder so it was very jarring like in when you got your diagnosis it's like it's like wait but that doesn't really jive with what I've envisioned bipolar disorder being because of the one unique situation we, we were actually exposed to. Um, so like getting into the research material and actually reading the books and I'm like, I have a lot to learn. But <laughs> <laughs> listening to the book though, like uh, I, I don't read, uh, um, I, I don't read good. So I do audiobooks and listening to the book was uh, phenomenal because as it's explaining things like I'm like oh no that makes perfect sense oh yeah I've absolutely seen that like everything that they were talking about I'm like I've seen in one way shape or form from you maybe not as like aggressive as some of the cases that they were talking about uh maybe a little bit minor sometimes full-on like exactly what they're talking about but like I had no idea mania uh, or manic episodes, I had no idea that was even a thing uh, until we got your diagnosis and we started doing research. And I'm like, oh, no, I've seen more manic episodes than I'd like to ever see again. <laughs> but they're there. Um, and I think the great thing about being educated now is, uh, and it's even night and day with you, you're like, you'll tell me flat out, you're like, uh, I think I'm going into mania- manic episode. And you're like, well, at least you could recognize the signs and and we're, we're kind of warned and and we know what what decisions that that Megan should make and what decisions Megan should have made right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's the education aspect that really made me actually understand the symptoms that we were seeing. Yeah. And I people may not know this. I was diagnosed type two. Um, and so that means like I call it diet mania. Like my manic symptoms are like more like watered down versions. However, I truly believe if I was diagnosed in um, my 20s, I would have been diagnosed with type one because all you need is one manic episode to be diagnosed with type one. And if like I talked to my psychiatrist for a prolonged period of time and explained everything that went on in my 20s, he'd probably change the diagnosis. But let's be honest, like... It's really, it's really just like, um, you know, like, a, it's semantics, it's semantics, because like, whatever, if I'm, I'm diagnosed type two, but how they would approach it, approach it right now isn't really much different than if I was diagnosed type one, like if I was diagnosed in my 20s with type one, and now like, I've gone to the more hypomania, which is the diet mania, then (laughs) then they would still treat it the same way. So it's not, I mean, it's semantics when it comes down to it, honestly. You just need one 
full-blown manic episode to be t- diagnosed with type one. And I have definitely had one of those in my twenties. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would actually say you have that even in our marriage, like maybe that's in my twenties. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we, we are old, huh? Uh, been You've been forever. married 12 years. <laughs> hey. No, like I yeah. said in my twenties, I mean, I was diagnosed four years ago um so like early 30s i was definitely not in a full-blown manic episode at that time actually i'm pretty sure i was no i might have been hypomanic because i wasn't depressive i was just spiraling out i was losing my shit um uh because you were living in connecticut and i was living in virginia at the time because your your job had moved you up here to connecticut and yeah, I was just spiraling out and my therapist was like, you need to talk to somebody and get something to just calm you down temporarily. And who knew that I would go and find out that I actually have bipolar disorder. And I I asked the psychiatric nurse practitioner how it went undiagnosed and none of my therapists saw it. And she was like, because they only see you for a brief period of time. And to them, they you probably just seem really happy and bubbly and you know, full of energy. And she was like, is that how you are normally? And I was like, yeah, I usually am, you know, unless I'm depressed and I am pretty like bubbly kind of person. And she's like, that's probably why she was like, and they probably didn't delve far enough in your background to see what I've seen and what I've heard in this hour. And I was like, yeah, but I was like you, like I got the diagnosis and I was like, no, no, that's not me. No, no, no. And then I got home and I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, check, 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 check. That's all of me. But like, you know, I, you know, you say you look back and you're like, oh shit. Now that I look back, I see it. But like, how is that before, you know, I call it my attempt, but you prevented it from actually being an actual attempt. Um, and we'll go back to that about how you felt in that moment. But like, before that happened, like that happened three years into our marriage. Like, how did you sustain in those three years? Because I had some serious problems. Um, and I will fully admit that. Like, what made you go like, no, I'm going to stick this out with this person who is like, wow, I was drinking a lot. I was like losing my shit all the time. Like it was just, I mean, now looking back, I'm like, holy crap, that was a wild ride. What made you go? No, I think I'm going to stick it out. Well, I mean, kind of with the whole uh, like manic to depression, uh, like it's, it's cycles. It's a roller coaster ride. Right. Yeah. Um, like, so like, yes, there'd be times when, when like you were, uh, struggling and but with like the depression and stuff like that so like i saw you with that light and then there'd be times where uh like you weren't having any issues at all uh and then there's the yes definitely the the manic uh or hypomanic uh states and stuff like that which where it's like those like believe it or not like those were actually the hardest times to actually get through like the depression uh being familiar with depression myself like yes it sucks but it, like it's it's a lot easier to to help somebody through that uh than it is uh, a hypomanic state like so just because i've seen you like all sides of you like i knew like i'm like like this is just like a, a kind of like a phase like so 
like we'll get through this it's not gonna last forever and then sure sure enough you would like kind of snap back to reality and and go back to like being normal and stuff like that and then so we'd ride that that high for a while and then all of a sudden it's like which one's next is we're gonna go into the depression state or we're gonna go into the mania state but like we didn't have the names for it like yeah because we, we didn't we didn't recognize like what those were we just it, it was just kind of like an emotional like slow roller coaster like roller coaster like kind of makes you think it's like just quick rapid up and downs and it's not it's, not. it's, it's very much not um so it's just because i've seen all the sides and and we're in and i love you and it's the full package right like you don't marry somebody <laughs> just for for one because you like one aspect of the person like that's if you're marrying somebody because of one aspect of the person that's it's not gonna last it's it's, it's just not how that works mm-hmm. um so kind of just took it as like yeah we're gonna have our challenges we're gonna have our the the times that are gonna be tough and stuff but as long as we get through it it will be stronger for it in the end um and yeah and we just kind of got through it uh, and, and it's it, it's funny because like you look back at those those things and like then you start putting the labels to the things and you're like like how how was this like not noticed earlier but i, I think you're right with uh it being undiagnosed for so long uh not only are they just seeing snapshots of of you just for your like one hour a month or or however often uh like you had your um your counseling sessions they're just seeing snapshots but also i'm a firm believer um i mean look at my own uh uh self for this the longer a person goes undiagnosed and they they know they have problems and they choose to just look past it and move past it you put on a shell you like, mask yourself you mask yeah, it you, you mask it like like uh whether it's like depression or like even me with like my migraines like uh mm. with, with my migraines i can go days with a migraine and nobody around me minus like you and the kids like just because you guys know me would even know i had a migraine because i've had to mask them for so long because the job i was in I was not allowed to have them. So yeah. I would put on a shell and it, it, you're just acting out like you're acting the way you think people expect you to be. And the same with, with depression and the same with that. Like, so when you are around people that aren't your normal click, your normal people around you, you put on a mask, you put or on a shell. Or even around your um, normal people. Cause you still, it scares the shit out of people when I'm in a really bad depression. Right. It, but that also, like, I'm not saying like, um, no, it, it's, yeah, it's just putting on a shell. It's, it's, it's hard. Uh, it, it's hard to, to look through that. Uh, and the better, you know, somebody, the easier you can see through, through their disguise and, and see them for, for what it really is. Uh, like you, you're to the point now to where you, you just look at me, you're like, you have a migraine. And it's like, yeah because <laughs> there's cause tell. you see it you, yeah you see it you know me um but the um but the average person like they they don't like and i yeah. don't let them see that uh and it's the same with with mental health so like like yes you go to a counselor uh, um or a nurse practitioner whoever and, and you go and you're trying to tell them all your issues so they can try to help you through your issues but no matter how comfortable you are with somebody with a psychologist or whatever, like there's still 
like whether you know it or not, you're going to be partially reserved, like because mm-hmm. you're so used to putting up that shell that it's just really, really hard to give them everything. Uh, so they still see a part of your disguise. I have a, a harder time masking the mania than I do the depression. Yeah, it's you really, do. It's, it's, yeah. it's like it's like your brain is like it's just all over the place. It's really hard to just because it's it <laughs> and it feels really good. What people I mean, it's destructive as all fuck yeah. a lot of times, but it feels good. You got a lot of energy. I mean, you can there are, you can have episodes where you're really irritable and stuff like that. But like for me. I get a shit ton of energy and I get an ego on me. I am like, I am the best person in the world who would not love me. Why do I'm amazing. I'm going to do amazing things. And and you've seen it where I have like started businesses. (laughs) I have set fungus goals. I have done all these things because like in my head, in, in one of those episodes and people don't realize like these episodes can last a long time. We're not talking months months i mean at a minimum i think they have to last two weeks like at a minimum but like months like there were times i went months and like hypomanic and months depressed and like oh it feels so good i can always tell when it's going you know coming on because like i'm a fast talker normally but like i get really fast talking like when i listen to old podcast episodes sometimes i'm like oh there it was <laughs> like you can tell i can tell and then i get the ego inflation and i want to spend all the money in the world and we've had tens of thousands of dollars in debt because I've spent all the money in the world in these episodes. And that's what people don't understand is like, it's not just destructive because like you make rash decisions and you do stupid shit. Like literally it's impulse decisions. Like you just impulsively and, and how I explain it to people is like, it builds up in your, cause people are like, just ignore it. I'm like, you can't because it will, it becomes like a pressure a pressure in your brain and it won't stop until you give into it. And so like, um, yeah, tens of thousands of dollars in debt, which is destructive too, because like, then you can't go buy a house. You can't like, you know, you're paying hundreds of dollars on credit cards and shit like that, which would not be a thing if, you know, I hadn't spent tens of thousands of dollars in debt, but like, it's, it's very destructive, but it's very hard for me to mask that. Like it really is Um, one, because I haven't, I mean, I think the mania came when I was like in my teens where the depression has been with me since I was a little kid. Like, I don't remember a time that I didn't deal with depression. And so I've had three decades of being able to mask that. And the only time that it gets really difficult to mask it is the, the more severe it gets. Because then I just don't have the energy and I don't have the capacity. But I agree with you. The whole point in that tirade was I agree with you is like you get talented at masking these things. And so other people might not see it. And also I'm a kind of I'm a people pleaser. Right. I want my therapist to like me. (laughs) I'm not going to be like, let me tell you some crazy ass shit. I did. I don't want them to not like me. I mean, I don't, I think the last one, this most recent one was the only one, like I was really transparent um, around. And then she like was dismissive of my bipolar episodes and I, I divorced her. Um, But yeah, 
So back to the suicide attempt, what was that like for you? Like emotionally, what were you thinking? I mean, at the time you were really mad at me because I got super drunk the night before and threw up all the all over the place and you had to go clean that up at the people's house that we were at. So yeah, I know you were angry with me that morning. Um, but like in that moment in time, when you came into the bathroom and I was like, just babbling off about like, I'm just going to end it all. And how did you feel in that moment? Hmm. Um, like, I, uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Like I, I was kind of scared and worried for all of like five seconds and I don't think that was because like, I didn't believe you. I think it has, uh, it's more attributed to, um, like my like training and like what I like one of the aspects of my job that, that I had like being a victim advocate and stuff like that to where it was, uh, it was something that, um, I want to say like, I was kind of trained to deal with, but like, some of the training I did have like helped me like kind of calm myself down and mm-hmm. like realize that this isn't about me right now. I don't matter right now. What matters is what's going on with you. And I can't show emotion because if I show emotion, then you're going to feed feedback off of my emotion. That's something that we have to deal with uh, being a victim advocate. Uh, we have to be very like reserved in our feelings um, because if we are showing anger, then our clients will feed back on our anger and stuff like that. So like, I just, I kind of like, just really like turned off like my emotions. Like, I don't know if it was like apparent, but like, I just like, no, you looked like, very heartbroken through, and dejected through, through the motions. Like, let's, let's kind of get through this. Like it, it, it I mean, don't get me wrong. Like internally, like I was. Like, yeah, I was struggling, uh, um, uh, like in my head going a thousand miles a minute, trying to figure out, it's like, all right, what do we do next? What do we do? Like, how are we going to like move from here and all that stuff? Like who do we need to talk to and and all that stuff? So like my mind was definitely going a thousand miles a minute, but, um, yeah, it was just a, a whirlwind of emotions. Let's just put it, put it that. Yeah, you looked very heartbroken and dejected. I will never forget the look on your face. And what people don't understand is when a lot of times when people are having suicidal ideation or they have plans or, you know, there's a spectrum, right? You start with like, I call it fleeting thoughts. I still have them sometimes where it's just like a thought pops in my head. And it's like, I just, I'm, this is just, I don't know. It's, It's just too much. It is too much and I'm not worthy of being on this. And then it pops out. So it's not true ideation because you're not sitting there and like, it's not staying. It's just like this little thought bubble. It's like, oh, you're worthless. And then out. Um, and, but then there's like the ideation where you're like, really there are thoughts. Like I've sat in the bottom of the tub and cried. Cause like, it just won't leave me alone. And it's so like emotionally painful because you're just like, this is too much. It's too overwhelming. But, and then you get to the planning stage where you have a plan, but a plan doesn't mean you're going to act on the plan. And the planning doesn't even need to be like days. It could literally be like that day I hopped in the shower and I'm like, you know what? We got a lot of medication and I'm just going to, I'm done. Like, this is, 
it's too much. And then you get to like the action phase. And so in that, uh, many people in that moment, it is not about you. I'm talking about you as in my spouse. It is about, I feel in that moment that I'm worthless, that you and the children, and I'm pretty sure I said this to you, you and the children would be better off without me, that you could move on and you could have a better life if I wasn't around. So it was never like, people were like, it's such a selfish decision. It's like, you, people don't understand in that moment we don't think it's selfish. We think that we're doing the world a favor. Like, you know, it's just all like, we are too much. We are a burden on other people, on everything. And I'm like, I could see it on your face when I was telling you that, like, you were just like, what the the fuck is going on? Why? Why do you think this? (laughs) Um, And you were the one that took, like, you took control where you were just like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Actually, I'm pretty sure you said, let me make you a deal. If in a year you feel this way, I won't stand in your way, but you need to get help. (laughs) And I knew like looking back, like you didn't mean it. Like in that moment, that was the best thing to say is like, I'll make you a deal. But like, and then you took the initiative to set me up with a therapist and make me an appointment because you knew I wouldn't. And you took me to my, I think my first couple of therapy appointments. Cause again, in that moment in time, I was not even wanting to leave the house. Um, So you took the initiative and your uh, huge reason that I started therapy Um and everything so like that was huge but like no I could see it on your face you just looked like like the world had just crashed down around you and you were just like so heartbroken and I'll never I'll never forget it um but like I I know that you've you've done trainings and stuff like that so you know that it wasn't about you like it it was not like a, a thing about you um so yeah, uh, how do you, how have you dealt, like there have been three or four times in our marriage, I've come to you and said, um, we are drowning in debt uh, because I spent lots of money and uh, I don't know what to do. And every time I was just like, he's going to divorce me now, it's done. Um, I think last time you thought I had cheated, like that I found not cheat on you. I had found somebody else. Cause I texted you and was like, we need to have a talk. <laughs> so when I told you, you were just like, oh, thank God. Because I thought you were leaving me. I'm just like, I thought that you were just going to be like, I'm done. So how have you dealt? Like, how do you mentally deal with that when you're just like, Jesus Christ again? Uh, honestly I don't know I still (laughs) struggle with it like uh, like I still just the thought of like money and where we're at financially like still to this day even though we're in a far better better place place now like still gives me anxiety like actual anxiety and like I don't feel well like thinking about finances which i know is a problem i need to kind of sort through and figure out um because because we are we we are like we're not in the the best spot in the world right now but we are leagues leagues beyond where where we have been uh in the past um uh not entirely because of of 
your hypomania states. There's been other things contributing to it, but um, your hypomania states absolutely did not help. Uh, no. and, and we know that. Um, your business ventures and, and, and all of the things. Um, and, and like even uh, and it's it's like it's very apparent because when you do have ideas and, and you want to like pursue something like I'm very critical on it like think about when you said hey you're also very supportive though in the I same am. breath yeah in the same breath uh, very supportive but like think about when you said like hey I think I want to go back to college and pursue, uh, <laughs> yeah. pursue. You are um, not for that a degree for uh, uh, in psychology, uh, and we're in. I'm like, all right, well, let's let's actually think about this. Uh, like, let's make sure that this decision isn't being made in in a state, and it's just going to be a fleeting thought in a few months. Um, and there, you had lots of proof and lots of evidence and and we we had plans in place and, and look uh, at me now it, it might not it, <laughs> well yes and no so like uh because your your first attempt at it was uh uh was your first attempt going back to college but there were so many other things going on at the time that yeah it, it just it wasn't the right time i was um, mad at you too like how do like, you i was mad it, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the right time, and you ended up having to um, to cancel your classes and and stuff, and and that made you feel like worthless, and maybe you're not going to be able to uh, do this career and all that stuff. And then we figured it out, and and you got back on track, and and now you're almost done. Look at you. Uh, so, but it, it's it's when those big decision things come up, it's like, okay, we have to like sit there and like, let's actually like critically think about this. Let's, let's make sure that like, where, where's your head at right now? Like, is this actually a path we want to go down? Um, because we've been burned in the past multiple times by, uh, by great, fantastic ideas that you've had in like things that you've been extremely passionate about. And it's successful and at the time. Very successful <laughs> at the time. But after your your mania that might have lasted like four, five, six months, then you just don't have it anymore. You don't care. You're like, why, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. Like, this is not what I like. Why am I on this path? Like, why did we spend thousands of dollars to get me these certifications and do these things when I have no intention of doing anything with it? Um, so it's just but but now we recognize the signs we 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 know what to look for so when big decisions are being made um like we're make them in a much better uh in a better kind of mindset yes yes it's more like a planning now uh, mm -hmm. a long-term planning instead of like well let's do this like uh Applying to PhD programs, that's something I've been saying I'm going to do for years since, like, I graduated with my bachelor's. So it's not like that was not a manic decision if it sticks around for years. Um, and, and now I've had to think about, like, well, what if I don't get into a PhD program? What am I going to do until next year when I or this fall 
when I apply again or and next year when I may or may not get into it again. Cause I mean, I've told you and my deal with myself is three strikes. You're out. Like I will apply to PhD programs three years in a row. And if I don't get in, then I just have to teach with the master's degree, which I can do. It's just limits me. But yeah, these are now when we make decisions, they're more like a long-term focus versus like right now, Megan wants to do this thing. So we're just going to let her do what she wants. Um, And I recognize it. Like I'll say to you, like, like you said earlier, it's like, I, oh, I think I'm in a hypomanic episode. Um, And I do a lot better at not mass spending like I used to, uh, which is good. Uh, which is really good. I mean, I think one day when I was manic, I dropped, uh, I committed, I didn't have two grand at the time, but I committed to uh, investing two grand into a course for entrepreneurs. Yeah, that a course that, by the way, when I was taking it, I knew almost everything that was being taught. So that was great. And then you couldn't get out of it because you, this was like, so many years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> like six six i think it's like 2016 was like a very rough year for us like it was it was a very rough year um but we got a cat so. <laughs> 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 so that was good we got a cat um tessa we got tessa then but yeah 2016 was rough for us you were away uh, for months because your job at the time and it was just it was not a good time and I think 2016 was like the cusp of of thing I, I think that was like the the cusp of me being the worst when it came to mania I mean yeah 2016 I was living on the other side of the country for a period of that I went on deployment a period of that uh, and then even when I got back, there was still like a lot of hours that like my, my work schedule was awful. So like for the majority of 2016, I really wasn't around to be that support network and stuff. That's one of the the crappiest things about friggin' military life is like you want to do all the right things. You want to be part of all the things, but you have almost zero say <laughs> in anything that you, takes up your time like you, thank you god are, we don't have to deal with that anymore yeah, like you, <laughs> you everything you are very reactionary on you can't mm. be really proactive in trying to plan out things you have to just react to things as they come up it's and frustrating you, and you didn't know until recently how bad it had gotten for me and some of those times you were gone yeah like like because in and I don't I don't blame you like I I get it like uh when when your spouse is deployed uh you only get to talk to them for like short little snippets here and there and you don't want to talk to them and burden them with with things that aren't going well you want to put on the happy face and you want to be like hey like we love you we miss you uh can't wait till you're here Again, everything's fine. Don't stress out about home. Like, be focused on your job. When really, you just want to like break down and be like, "I need your help," but but you don't want to put additional burden on me. Like, I get it. Like, it would be dangerous. Yeah, I wish that wasn't like a thing. Like, I would have preferred you just tell me that you're struggling and like 
like vent and stuff like that. But at the same time, like you're, you're right. I would have then have a lot more worries about what's going on at home vice what the, the things I needed to be focused on at the time. So like, I get it and it makes sense. It sucks. Well, some of those emails would have never made it to you anyways. Yes. They the, would have uh, never gave it to you. Yeah, because they screen all of our emails and they only give us emails that don't have trigger words in them. Um, yeah. But, you know, and it literally, so the thing is, is like, I'm not here to bash on the military, but like it has a long ways to go to be mental health friendly. And the thing is, it could affect your job. Like, it, it could affect your job and so i'm at home while you're on like out to sea and i am having this terrible these terrible mental health like crises where i literally should have been hospitalized at points um but i was still functionable to a point where i could get the kids on the bus and I just went back to bed after they went to school and then I like set my alarm. So I got back up to get them off of school. But, and so I used the very little energy I had and capacity I had to take care of the kids. But it's like thinking like, oh my God, if I, one, the email will probably not reach him. Two, if I tell him when they pull into port how I'm struggling now, he'll be distracted from his job. And if something serious, some serious shit happens, now everybody could be in danger because of that because your mind is not on your job. And three, if you have to take a prolonged period of time off to like be with me because I am mentally losing my shit, you could it could impact your job. So it's like all these things that when you are gone, I just I just couldn't like I just knew. And it was like only like recently when I uh I I was it like this was it like the last couple of weeks when I was in the depression episode? Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm like, was this months ago? Was this weeks ago? Time is just not here for me. That I like, I was just really blatantly honest with you about like, because you were just like, um, I started a depressive episode when I was in Mississippi, and you were just like, I wish I could be there for you, and I was like, you have no idea the amount of times that you couldn't, and I. Um, had to do this on my own and now you you have seen me in some pretty significant de- ep- uh, uh, depressive episodes um, but we were to- talking about masking earlier and I am still depressed I've been in a depressive episode for almost a month now so much so that my psychiatrist is like we need to add a medication to your mood stabilizer because you should not be here and it got really bad last week um i would say so like when you're looking at an oven for these people listening and you know you have low medium high but sometimes it says set your temperature to low medium or medium high well think about like mental illness severity like that (laughs) in this example i was at like the medium high level so i wasn't like moderate and i wasn't like severe i was like moderate slash severe and it was really bad and some people who know me saw that and it freaked them out like because nobody see, see me like, like that like i mask it so well that like people barely ever see me depressed or they don't know they see me depressed but it was like it was it scares people they don't even know like how to handle it. And I felt really bad having to tell you, like after all these years, like 
yeah, it got pretty bad at times when you were gone. But I mean, you were able to get, we made it through. (laughs) Here we are (laughs) doing this. (laughs) It's just like, you know, if anybody is like listening and, and maybe they have a spouse who has bipolar disorder or has like some other like, uh, mental illness that is like impacting their life. What kind of like things do you have advice for people? Mm, education. Uh, like, like I said, like listening to that book, reading that book or whatever, like the having names for the things goes a long way. Uh, like being able to recognize the signs for what they are. Friggin, uh, like, yeah, uh, education is, is your best friend and it will help you through. Um, it will make things far easier. Uh, cause it, cause you know that, Hey, we're not in a, like our own little bubble. And this is, we're the only people in the world having these problems. Like, no, there's books literally written on this. <laughs> like there's, yeah. like, there's lots of case studies on this. Like this is, this is not an abnormal thing. And mm-hmm. so being able to like put names to to the symptoms, being able to like see the symptoms for what they are, be able to kind of like moderate uh, moderate and uh and kind of like look at the the trends to see like kind of like we might be heading to like uh, a depression episode or, or whatever, like being able to kind of like watch those trends and kind of like see them what for what they are. Um that's really the best advice I could give is, is just educate yourself. Um, and just hope, uh, like, uh, one good thing that that book really, uh, I love that that book covered is it covers different scenarios and things that you can do. If you are married to somebody with bipolar disorder that, um, acknowledges that they have a problem and are seeking treatment or, uh, vice versa, your uh your significant other has it diagnosed with it but they're refusing treatment and it kind of gives you also some some kind of like things that you can do to kind of help matters um uh because that's like i'm very fortunate i don't have to deal with that um (laughs) uh, but i thought that was really good that the book kind of like covered that so like it can help you in those type scenarios um but yeah education education is a big thing Approximately 2 million people in the United States live with bipolar disorder. So it's not as prevalent as like depression and anxiety, uh, but it is definitely pretty prevalent. And probably statistically, everybody has met at least one person with bipolar disorder. They just probably don't even know it. Uh, Yeah, education has definitely been helpful. And I mean, the reason I am in treatment is because it's fucking miserable to one, it's miserable to be depressed. And that's why we're trying new medications to like kick this current depression, which is definitely triggered by triggered by like stress from like thesis and finishing my master's and these PhD, like this PhD thing is like the the most stressful thing. Like I I just, I'm like, oh my God, if I don't get in anywhere, I have to do this all over again next year. Like I've seriously wondered, like, do I want to? Cause it is so stressful, but I do. Cause that will help me, you know, complete my goals and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I'm in treatment because like, it's 
I was going to destroy my own life. That's where I was heading. And like, you're, you're a wonderful, my, a friend of mine calls you unicorn um, <laughs> because you're a wonderful human being and you've stuck through the highs and lows. But I was, I know I was on a path to destroy everything that I love um, because eventually it was going to get so bad that something really shitty was going to happen. Um, so that's why I'm in treatment because I know I can be destructive and I know that I can do things that hurt other people. Um, and it's, I mean, the hypomania is fun, but when you come down, you're like, shit, what did I just do? Um, so was there, before we wrap up, was, is there a tipping point you could think of? Is there a point where you would have just like been like this, this is enough. I've had enough. I'm out. Mm, No. Uh, um, I mean, the, the couple financial things like was very much like, I don't know how we recover from this. And like, that's kind of like the mindset, not like the friggin' well, I'm going to cut all ties and I'm going to, fix my own stuff on my own like it, it was literally like i don't know how we are going to recover from this type stuff so like no i don't think at any point there was anything that was leading towards like ending it or anything like that um no i mean financial stuff like definitely like for it it was rough and it was rough going and rough trying to figure out like plans to start kind of digging ourselves out of it and stuff like that like like i said i still to this day have anxiety issues when it comes to finances um because of of the the few times uh that your hypomania kind of put us in a really bad spot um not just those things by themselves but it was compounded with other issues like how to replace the roof and all sorts of stuff but like when it rains, it pours. Like I would it's say, always one thing right after the other. Seventy-five percent of the debt was me, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, but we're Let's like I said, honest. we're not we're not like in a perfect spot financially, but like we're a thousand times better than we were, and we have plans to to get us where we need to be. Um, we're heading towards a good in a good direction. No, knock on wood that nothing else comes up. I'm right here, right on the desk and knocking on this stuff. But yeah, I, it, see, for me, looking back, like uh, if I was in your position, I would have walked away a long time ago because it was just horror. It was, I was horrible. I was just, I did, I was, did some fucked up shit. And I like, and and this is not to, I, I hate saying these things because I'm like, I don't want people to walk away with a stigmatized view of people with bipolar disorder. Like we can live a happy, healthy, fulfilling life. We, and when I say I hurt people, I don't mean I physically hurt people. I emotionally hurt people's feelings. Like that's, that's what I mean when I hurt people. I was not beating the shit out of people like I could I could be really mean and you know that I could be really mean at times um especially when I was drinking was like my 
wonderful like target when I used to drink a lot and I drank a lot to deal with the shit inside my head. Like it was a way that I coped, but that was a coping mechanism I had developed since I was a teenager. So by the time that we got married, like we're going on 10 years of that being my coping mechanism. So it took years for me and, and, and a psychiatrist or yes, or a therapist one time had told me, and this was when I got my DWI, again, manic episode, and I had to meet with a uh, therapist to see if I actually had a drinking problem. And she said, you don't have a drinking problem. You have a problem with like, um, she said, I'm a, a social binge drinker. She's like, you have a problem with going out and being around people and not knowing when to stop. And which is true because I don't drink a whole lot on my own, like by myself, but I am, I could be really, but anyways, I could be really mean and you are the target of my rage sometimes when it came to that. Um, And especially because when I, I mentioned earlier, when you're in a manic episode, you can have irritability and, and there is a, a verbiage called bipolar rage where like in a hypoman or like in a manic episode, you can get, you can go from like being really happy and like uplift to like bipolar rage, like full on rage. And the best way to explain this is how Anna, my sister explained it. She said, we would go out drinking with you and we never knew what Megan we would end up with at the end of the night. She was like, we'd either end up with happy Megan who is excited and had a really good time she was like, we would end up with sad Megan, who was crying her eyes out by the end of the night. We would end up with Megan, who was so angry and ready to like burn down the entire world. Or we'd just end up with Megan, who was just like going about her business. No big deal. Um, and so that had a lot to do with what episode I was in at the time when I was drinking. But yeah, anyways, the whole tangent I just went on, um, which you're used to how my brain works. <laughs> is I would have walked away from this a long time. Like me, if I was in your position, I would have, but it's nice to hear. And hopefully people listening are, are taking away some like really key gems about like how you have handled and your perception of living with somebody with bipolar disorder and what has helped you beyond education. Like there was definitely things while you were talking, I was like, Oh, I see how you handled that and how that would be helpful. So is there anything else you want to say? What do you have anything you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with? Mm, nope. Don't know real pearls of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hardest question of the entire, I was like, I'm not going to ask him that. Cause like, <laughs> that's, that's like, everybody says it's the hardest, you know, question of the entire episode uh anyways babe thank you so much for coming on the podcast today yeah maybe maybe in another 380 plus episodes maybe there could be a part two thank you for being a part of the inspired women audience if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a rating review and don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today tag us at inspired women podcast both on facebook and instagram have a great day